0: teacher asked her first grade class what they did to help out at home. They took turns giving answers like, I drive the dishes, I feed the dog, I make my bed. And she noticed that uh, little Johnny, who was in the class, had not spoken a word, and so she intentionally asked him what he did to help out at home. After hesitating a moment, little Johnny replied, mostly, I stay out of the way. I hope that's not the answer you would give when it comes to serving the Lord and serving others. You'd have to say like Johnny, mostly I stay out of the way. I hope you're busy living out the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment is in Matthew 22 where it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then, of course, many know the Great Commission, maybe even by heart, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Those of us who know Jesus as our Savior and our Lord should do everything we can to help others. We help them in material ways. And we also help them in spiritual matters. We help those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ to find and to know the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord Jesus. For our brothers and sisters in Christ, we do all within our power to help them. To encourage them. uh, To uh, bear their burdens. And so we're busy serving others. We're busy serving the Lord. But as you go about helping others, you go about serving others, you're going to find out, if you haven't already, that there are some cases, there are some situations, where you stand helpless to help. There are situations that are beyond your control, that are out of your hands. I'm here today to remind all of us, beloved, that there is one who has everything under his charge, There is one who can help when no one else can. And perhaps you're here today and you're facing such a situation in your own life or in the life of someone you love, someone that you know. If so, I want you to listen very carefully and very closely today as we learn about how to pray for help. We're going to talk about praying for help. You see, there is one who can help even when nobody else can even when we stand helpless, on a human level, we can always pray. That's the best thing we can do, by the way. And so we want to learn some lessons today. Go back to the Old Testament book, if you will, with me, to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Second Samuel, Second Kings, First and 2 Chronicles, chapter 14. We're going to look at an episode from the life of a king by the name of Asa. And Asa teaches us some truths when it comes to praying for help. Now, maybe you're here today and say, well, listen, everything's going well for me. I don't need to listen. Yes, you do. Because it's going to come a day where you are going to face an hour when you need help or someone close to you needs help. So focus in with me today. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. We'll begin reading at verse number 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 1. So Abijah rested with his fathers... And they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa his son reigned in his place. In his days the land was quiet for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places. He broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. Verse six says, And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore, he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us, because we've sought the Lord our God. We've sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Verse 8 says, and Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears. And from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Now, pause the reading there. Do you notice what's happening here? Things are going great for King Asa. I mean, they had rest rest from war, rest from trouble. They're building, they're prospering. He's putting down false worship. Things are going great, and then trouble. Can you relate? Things are humming along in your life. Things are going so well. And then, bam, trouble comes. That's what happened to King Asa. In fact, you may be wondering, well, what trouble came in Asa's life? Look at the very next verse. Verse number 9. Then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And he came to Marisha. Big trouble came. A million man army and the latest in military technology. 300 chariots. And they're coming out against them. Now remember Asa's army? His army is told about in verse 8. He had an army of 300,000 from Judah. They carried shields and spears. And from Benjamin, 280,000 men who who carried shields and drew bows. They were mighty men of valor. But we notice they were highly... Outnumbered. Now what happens? Verse 10 says, so Asa went out against him. They set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephathah at Mereshah. Verse 11. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on You. And in Your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, You are our God. Do not let man prevail against You. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar, so the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and His army. And they carried away very much spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. Let me just say, wow, what a victory. What a victory against a million man army and 300 chariots. They fled before them. They spoiled so much. But did you notice the key to the battle? Did you notice the key to victory? If you read it thoughtlessly, if you weren't really tuned in, you might have missed it. The key to the victory here is in verse 11. Let's read it again. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God. Asa prayed. Prayer won this battle. When all seemed hopeless, when all seemed helpless, when the odds were stacked against them, Asa prays and God gives the victory. Now let me do something today. I want us to go in and focus on that prayer and see what Asa said. Because it gives us some wonderful instruction in how we can seek the Lord and how we can pray in our helpless and hopeless situations. And as I looked at it this past week and I studied it, four things rose to the surface I want to share with you. When you're praying for help, you want to jot these down, to be good. When you're praying for help, number one, look to the Lord and praise Him. Look to the Lord and praise Him. Did you notice what Asa does here? On the battlefield, Asa takes his eyes off the million-man army. He takes his eyes off of the 300 chariots. And he lifts his eyes to the Lord, and he begins to praise God. He begins to praise Jehovah. And beloved, that's what we need to do. We need to stop looking at our problem, stop looking at the burden, stop looking at the bad situation that has us down, and start looking to the Lord. And when you begin to focus on the Lord, and who He is, and how great He is, you cannot help but to praise Him. Did you notice what he said about the Lord? Look back at verse 11. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, and watch this, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. I love that. Lord, it's nothing for you to help. You don't need many, Lord. You don't even need any. You're all powerful. Lord, I recognize your strength. Now think about it. There are things in our lives that are so insurmountable. Those mountains that we cannot get over. We cannot go around. There are situations that maybe keep you up at night. You can't sleep. And when you're awake, they they steal your appetite. Those situations, when God views them, when God sees them, in comparison to our God, He can meet those... By this lifting his little finger, if you will. By just speaking. Yes, they're large to us. But so small to him. don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that he doesn't care. I'm not saying that he's not concerned. I'm not belittling anybody's heartaches or frustrations or sorrows or difficulties. What I'm seeking to do today is to show you and remind you that our all-powerful God is in control. Those problems are not greater than our God. Those difficulties are not bigger than our God. We can rest in Him. We can rejoice in Him. It doesn't matter what our economy is doing. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who our enemies are. God is still on the throne. God is still in charge. God is God. And we can say, hallelujah, anyway. No matter what's going on in our lives. I don't think you believe that. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, anyway. our God is great so we don't wring our hands in despair instead we fold them in prayer we go to the Lord now why is it beloved that we go to the Lord as the final resort why do we wait we've tried everything else and say well I've done all that I can do now I'm going to pray beloved that's backwards pray first pray first Say, Lord, here's the situation, here's the problem, here's the difficulty. But maybe you're wondering, is God really able to help? Is God really powerful enough? Is He really sufficient? Dear friend, may I remind you that this is the same God who created us, the same God who shaped us, the same God who formed us, the same God who daily keeps us. He is God alone. He knows more about us than we know ourselves. He knows every trial, every temptation, every trouble, every task of human life. And beloved, He stands willing and able to extend His grace in your time of sorrow, your time of sin, your time of suffering, your time of defeat. He stands willing and able. He's all-powerful. What are human kings in regards to our God? Proverbs 21 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is all present. He is unmutable. That is, he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. As one beautiful song puts it, He is almighty, unchangeable God. That's who our God is. No matter what's going on in our life, He changes not. Jehovah reigns. And He's greater than our problem, our greatest problem. And so why don't you bring that problem, that situation that's bearing on you and burdening you and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And say, Lord, here it is. Lay it at the feet of the one who's greater, the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, all of this must begin the realization of our biggest problem and that is our lost condition, our sin problem. That we're separate from God, that we're lost undone without hope and realize that God in love sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for us after living a sinless perfect life, to voluntarily put himself on that old cross and to die and then to rise victorious and he did that because he loves you. And He did that that you might have life. And if you'll turn from your sin today and you'll place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, and God's Word is true, you will be saved. See, your biggest problem, beloved, is not a money problem or a health problem or a family problem. Your biggest problem is sin. But God has made a way. One way. The way, the truth, the life. The Lord Jesus Christ. And if you'll turn from your sin today and say, I rest, I trust in Jesus Christ alone to forgive me of my sin and give me new life in Him, you will be saved. I invite you to meet Him today. When you're praying for help, beloved, you start out by looking to the Lord and praising Him. But then I want you to notice secondly what Asa did. The second thing we do when we pray for help is we humble ourselves before the Lord and we ask for help. We humble ourselves before the Lord and we ask for help. Look at Asa's words there again in verse 11. Real simple. Notice the next part. Help us, O Lord our God. Help us, O Lord our God. You want a good scripture to memorize? It's a good scripture to memorize. Help us, O Lord our God. Now, prayer is really a declaration of dependence. We like to talk about the declaration of independence and it's a great thing. But listen, prayer is a declaration of dependence. We're saying, God, we need You. God, we're not sufficient. We're not capable. We can't handle this. We need You. Now, asking for help is humbling, isn't it? To ask anybody for help is humbling. That's why some people never ask for help. That's why men will drive eight hours and be lost eight hours and never stop and ask for help. That's why a lady will make the worst food in the world and not ask anybody else how to correct the recipe. Whatever it may be. We don't want to ask for help, right? Because it's humbly. But notice what Asa did. He humbled himself. We need the Lord. You need to bring that situation, that problem, that burden before it and say, lay it out before Him. Just, Just be honest about it. He already knows, by the way. You're not surprising, but He wants us to come and lay it out before Him and say, Lord, here it is, help me. Now be honest, parents. We had all these parents up here today. We have parents throughout the congregation. If your child begins to yell, Help! What are you going to do as a parent? You're going to respond, aren't you? Out of love, you're going to respond. You're going to see what's going on. If your child's out playing in the yard, and you hear him screaming, Help! Help! You're going to respond. You're going to respond in love. Well, how much greater is our Heavenly Father? How much more is He willing and waiting for us to cry, Lord, help! You see, when you're praying for help, you look to the Lord and praise Him. You, you humble yourself and you ask for help. But there's a the third thing. We find it in this prayer. You rest in the Lord and enjoy the peace that He gives. You rest in the Lord and enjoy the peace that He gives. Look back at that verse again, verse 11. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. That's praise. Help us, O Lord our God. He's asking there. But notice the next part. For we rest on You. Now be honest, beloved. When we're in troubled times, when there's turmoil going on in our life, when there's trouble all around, what we really want is what? We want rest. We want some rest. We want peace. I looked that word up in the Hebrew. And the Hebrew word that we have translated rest here, Shawan, here's what it literally means, to support oneself, listen, to lean, to lie, to rely, to rest on, to stay. In other words, God, we rest on you, we rely on you, we we, we lean on you. That's what it means. Now, let's be honest about it, don't answer out loud, but really, who or what are you resting in or relying on today? Be real honest. Some people would have to say, you know what? My bank account, I rest on you. My resources, I rest on you. My brain, my intelligence, I rest on you. I can't say that, but some people would say, oh, I rest on you. Some would say, oh, my government, I rest on you. Some would say, oh, my strength, I rest on you. But not King Asa. He's the king. He's got more than we'd ever imagine having. What's King Asa say? Lord, I rest on You. I rely on You. You know the Lord delights in our resting in Him. Let me share just a couple of verses here. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths." Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God delights in our resting and relying upon Him. Our calling out to Him. Because, beloved, we not only rest, but we enjoy the peace that He gives. Because we know What? That in the midst of those storms, in the midst of those troubles, God can give a supernatural peace. Peace in the midst of the storm. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, listen to this one. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, God wants to give us peace. There's a difference between the peace with God and the peace of God. Did you know that? We get peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. We're no longer under condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. We have peace with God. We're no longer at war with God. We're no longer an enemy of God. We get that through salvation. But then there's the peace of God. How do we get that? By bringing everything in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Talking to the Lord about it. Giving it to Him. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. In other words, you can have a peace that doesn't make sense to everybody else. The world looks at you in the midst of your troubles and trials and storms. How in the world can you be so calm? How in the world can you be so peaceful? Because you have a peace that passes all understanding. of the peace of God. Why? Because you rest on God. In the midst of those troubles, in the midst of those trials, you believe that God is great. You believe that God is in control. And you have peace. So when you're praying for help, you need to look to the Lord and praise Him for who He is. You need to humble yourself and ask for help. Just be blatant and honest. You need to rest in the Lord. Rely upon Him. Lean on Him. And enjoy that peace that He gives. But there's a fourth thing. We find it in Asa's prayer and it's this. We're to go on in the name of the Lord and live for His glory. We're to go on in the name of the Lord and live for His glory. Look at the verse again. And Asa cried out, verse 11. Asa cried out to the Lord His God and said, Lord, It is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. Now watch this next part. And in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. You see, Asa prayed and then he went out to battle. Lord, we're not sitting still, we're going on. But we're going on now in your name. We're going on now for your glory. This is all about God and His glory. Notice it says at the very end, do not let man prevail against you. That's the way to live, beloved. Give the burden to the Lord, then go on and live your life in His name and for His glory. That's the way to live. You see, the outcome is up to Him. Did you notice that? The outcome's up to Him. What a marvelous thing He did in Asa's life and The army's life there and the victory that he gave because he prayed about it and he gave it to the Lord. Bring your burdens to him. Now, listen, God may choose to remove the storm. He does that praise be to his name or he may choose to take you through the storm. Whatever the outcome, whatever it is, is his choice and his grace is sufficient. Maybe you're like me, you found there's some things you can't learn except in the hard way and in the hard times of life. And so you pray and you give a burden to the Lord, you may say, okay, I'm going to remove that storm. I'm going to remove the situation. Or you may say, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it is or what it was. And he prayed about it. And he prayed about it. prayed about it three times, I remember correctly. The Lord says, don't pray about it anymore. He says, my grace is sufficient. I'm going to help you, even with that thorn in the flesh. See, that's walking by faith and not by sight. Well, walking by faith would be easy if everything was easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's a golden road to heaven, and it's, it's peace, prosperity popularity, oh, glory be. And there are those preaching that today, but that's not the gospel. The Lord Jesus is what up your cross and follow me. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You have to go looking for it. You live a Christ-like life and you will be looked at differently and scoffed and mocked and you name it. Some of you know that from personal experience in the workplace, in various places. Walking by faces. Listen, regardless of what's going on around me right now, I know who's in control. I know who's in charge. I know who I'm resting on. That's walking by faith, keeping your eyes on them, not by sight. A popular Christian song says it this way, And I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You've never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. Can you say that today? Do you rest in the Lord that much today? What an awesome prayer Asa prayed. Now here's the question. Will you join him in praying it? Will you join him in praying it? Will you bring your burden to the Lord? And say, Lord, I praise you. You're greater than this. And Lord, I humble myself and I ask you. Your will be done. You, you, You guide me. And Lord, I'm going to enjoy the peace that you give because I'm going to trust you as I rest on you. And I'm going to go on and live my life, Lord, for your honor and your glory. Will you pray Asa's prayer? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And Before I say a prayer, nobody looking around, nobody stirring, nobody making any noise. Two needs I want to talk about. Number one, salvation. Maybe you're here today and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's your greatest need. He's the answer for you. I'm going to invite you in a moment. We sing this closing hymn. I'll be standing down in the front. You just come and take my hands. Say, preacher, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'll take a, someone who loves Jesus, loves you, and they'll take a Bible and I'll put you together with them and they'll sit down and share the gospel. Very plain, very simple. So you just come today and say, Listen, I want to know Jesus. And I'll put you as someone who loves Jesus and loves you and will lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. You just come as we sing. The majority of this message has been to those who already know the Lord. And friend, I don't know the burdens you're bearing today, but I got a feeling there are a lot of burdens here. Asa has shown us a good example of what we ought to do. And maybe today, as we sing our closing hymn, why don't you come? Why don't you come kneel at this altar and give that burden to the Lord. Praise Him. He's greater. Humble yourself and say, Lord, I need help. I need direction. And Lord, whatever you choose to do, I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to praise you and I'm going to go on and live my life in your name and for your glory. I would invite you today to come and bring that burden to Him. Now, Father, I thank you for this account from Asa's life. And I thank you for the example that he gives to us. He gives to us. Now, I pray in this invitation that you will be honored and glorified. If anyone needs to come to the Lord Jesus today, I pray that you will help them to step up from where they are and allow someone to take a Bible and share the gospel with them. And they receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ today that you'd help them to take a step where they come and kneel at this old altar and give those burdens to you and rest in you. Your will be done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn is number 52. He leadeth me. And as we begin singing, if you want to be saved today, you just come and say, Preacher, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. And I'll place you as someone who has shared the gospel with you. But I think there might be many today who need to come and give a burden to the Lord. As we begin singing, You Come, come right on past me. If you want prayer today, let me know that. We'll get someone to pray with you. But you respond as God leads. Number 52, He leadeth me. He leadeth me, O blessed all. He leadeth me. That's what life is like as you walk by faith and not by sight. He leads you. Would you stand as we sing? You come.